It was Tommy's birthday yesterday, and the day before that was Maggie's. I won't tell you how old or how young they are, but we rejoice that God has given the two of them another birthday. We send our love and greeting to them, and I'm sure you do as well. Matthew chapter 7 is the passage that Tommy has just read, and in particular, the closing verses of one of the greatest sermons ever preached. Now, I say one of the greatest sermons because all of Christ's sermons were the greatest sermons ever preached. But this certainly is regarded as one of the greatest sermons that has ever been preached on this earth. And there's never been a preacher like Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting to me that oftentimes man thinks that they can improve upon what Christ had to say and give their little twist and their little extra ideas. But if we would just take him at his word, that's what we will attempt to do this evening. These are the closing verses of that famous Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus wraps up that sermon with a little parable. Now, it's interesting to me that nearly one-third of Christ's teachings, his recorded teachings, were given in parables. You can find all of his parables in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find them there, in, in, especially in the first three books of the New Testament. Now, parables are not fables. Uh, the word parable means to cast alongside of. It's a, it's a spiritual truth that Christ is trying to convey. We oftentimes say an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Parables are also not allegories. Allegories tend to have a, 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 a special meaning in practically every detail, but a parable are given really to help teach one great lesson or truth. And so what is the lesson that Jesus is teaching in this little parable that he gives to sum up the entire or to wrap up the entire Sermon on the Mount? I believe it's quite simple. He speaks in these last closing verses about those who hear and do his word, and those who hear and do not do his word. And so the lesson that is taught is very clear. There are those who hear and do, and there are those who hear and do not do. Now, can I say to you this evening, everybody listening tonight or everybody watching tonight is a hearer. But, can I ask you, are you a doer? It's not enough just to be a hearer. In this parable, we find that really all of humanity, all people are building. That's a reality. Everybody on the face of the earth today is building. And we're all building, for the, for the most part, the same kind of structure. But we don't all build on the same foundation. That's the truth that Jesus is sharing here. We all build... But we don't all have the same foundation. And the truth is, there are only two kinds of foundations given in this parable. The solid rock and the sinking sand. Now remember, this parable, very interesting, follows after, just after the Lord Jesus explains that not everybody who claims to follow Christ is actually his child. Look with me at verse 21 to 23. Some very stirring and challenging verses. In fact, what you find, as Tommy mentioned in the scripture reading, is the Lord Jesus deals with false prophets and he deals with false professors. I don't mean those who teach at a university. I mean professions of faith, 
false prophets, false teachers, and false listeners. He tells us in verse number 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then a lot of people will say, there's evidence that you can lose the salvation that the Lord has given you. No, no, no. These are people who said, who told God what they did. These are people who told God what they thought they were doing. And Jesus then tells them, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. This is not that he once knew them. And then somewhere along the, 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 the way, they parted ways. Somewhere down the line, they parted ways and separated. No, no, he never knew them. In all their teaching and preaching and working and all their activity, he never, ever knew them. Now, can I ask you tonight, do you know the Savior and does he know you? Therefore, Jesus says, after he gives this important truth, by the way, I love the way Jesus teaches. He draws a line in the sand. He's very clear, isn't he? It's, he doesn't leave any, any room for question or any wiggle room. It's either you're building on the rock or you're building on the sand. He's very clear. Therefore, based upon the reality that not everybody who says they're following Jesus is actually following Jesus, then not everybody who says that they are a preacher of the word is actually a true heaven-sent preacher of the word. Therefore, he says, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, and whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. This is the context. Verses 21 to 23 speak about people who did many good things, and yet they still went to hell. Think about that. Verses 21 to 23 are verses, uh, an, an example of people who in their own estimation thought they were doing good things. And yet still, the Lord Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, why is it then, in verses 24 to 27, Jesus says, he that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them is the wise man. Is there a contradiction? Because you got people doing but yet they're still going to hell. And Jesus says here in verse number 24 to 27, it's those who hear the word and do the word that are saved. Is there a contradiction? No, no, no. Verses 21 to 23, people did and perished. Verses 24 to 27, Jesus says the wise are the doers. So what's the difference? The difference is our foundation. Because everybody is doing. Everybody is building. There are a lot of genuine and sincere people who are doing kind acts for humanity today. We're all building, and in a sense, we're all doing, but the question is, what are you building on? We somehow think that it's our good deeds that make God happy. We somehow imagine that it's our behavior that appeases God. That, that is a false teaching. That's what separates Christianity from every religion in the world. You've heard me say this before. Every religion in the world is a religion of do. In fact, atheism is a religion. And it is a do religion. 
Christianity is different. Christianity is not about what you can do to make God happy and get yourself to heaven. It's about what God has done. And now, as a result of what God has done and as a result of an inward change, our lives then, then we do. Then we actually have something to build upon because of what he has done. You see, the one thing that matters most in your building is your foundation. It's interesting to me, you think about the foundation of a home. The foundation is usually unseen, isn't it? It's beneath the surface. It's beneath uh, what the eye can see. It's beneath the structure. But most people, all of their building and all of their foundation is what they want people to see. But for the one who's truly been born again, their foundation lies beneath the surface. An unseen work, a work inside the heart of man. And it's only tested and proven with a storm. You can talk about how strong your foundation is, but it's not until a storm comes is your foundation proven. And can I tell you, it might just be that in May of 2020, this coronavirus is one of those storms that is proving the foundation that each one of us is building upon. I was speaking with some ministers, some pastors yesterday, and they were telling me how surprised they were to find in their own flocks uh, that the people they thought would be okay are the ones really struggling. And the people they thought would really struggle are the ones who are okay. And this storm is revealing what kind of a foundation people are building upon today. You might have the most beautiful house on earth, but if your foundation isn't right, it's just a matter of time before that house comes crumbling to the ground. Can I ask you this evening, what kind of foundation are you building on? Spiritually, you can do the kindest things on earth, but if your foundation isn't right, it won't last. It'll mean nothing in the day of judgment. In this parable, we have the same storm, the same rain, the same flood, the same torrential downpour that came to both builders. By the way, Christian or not, storms are coming. And just because you're a believer doesn't mean storms won't come. Here we are today, and all the world is being affected by the storm that we're facing right now. Some people imagine that because they're a believer that they won't have any problems. And some teachers, some false prophets teach such nonsense. That if you give your life to Jesus and give your money to him, then Everything will be okay. No health problems, no relationship problems, and, and you can speak it into existence and all of these things and everything. And I'm telling you, you couldn't be further from the truth. Two builders, both of them had a storm coming. But it does mean this. If you're building upon the rock of Jesus Christ, although the storm comes, it means you have a refuge, a shelter in the time of storm. The Lord's our rock. In him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. According to this parable, that refuge in which we have security and protection in the time of a storm is Jesus Christ, the foundation. You see, Christ never promised that we wouldn't have any problems, but he promised 
to protect us and be with us in the problems. Jesus is the foundation upon which we must build. I believe, uh, many believe that Jesus may have even been referring to that Old Testament proverb. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 25, listen to this verse. As the whirlwind passeth, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is or has an everlasting foundation. Isn't that good? Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, said it hundreds of years before the Savior came. The whirlwind passes, the storm is coming, and the wicked is gone because of it. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. We find in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 just what this foundation is. Or, pardon me, who this foundation is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 11. Listen to this. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. Okay. What is that foundation? Which is Jesus Christ. Christ. You can't lay. There is no other foundation to build upon besides Jesus Christ. And every other foundation that you think you're building on is nothing more than sinking sand. Well, I've got a better foundation than Jesus. No, no, no. All you have, my friend, is sinking sand. No, 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 but you don't understand because I've worked on this foundation. This is a good foundation. I don't need your Christianity. I don't need Jesus. That's fine, but when that storm comes and ultimately when that great storm of God's judgment comes, it'll prove that all that you've done and all of your works have been built on sinking sand. If your life is built on Christ, when the storms come, your life remains firm. It's interesting. You think about two builders, one building on stone and another building on sand. They both look safe. They both look the same. Not too much of a difference. The emphasis is not on what you can see. The emphasis is not on the material used for a building. By the way, we live in a day where we put such an emphasis on what you can see in a person's life. And that's part of it. We put such an emphasis and such stock in what people say and what, how they perform in front of you. But Jesus puts the emphasis on that which is not seen. The real true walk with God, the real relationship with God that nobody sees, the foundation that you're building on. So how do we get the right foundation? If it, apparently it isn't just doing. Well, in verse number 24, Jesus gives us the appropriate answer. It is twofold. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The answer is twofold, hearing and heeding. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. But James tells us it's not enough just to be hearers of the word, but let us also be doers of the word. And so the right foundation begins with hearing the word and heeding the word. And I believe it begins with that first little command 
the first little word of instruction from Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Can I ask you tonight, have you heeded that word of the Savior? There's something vital. I think it's interesting. Whosoever heareth and doeth. But there's something interesting in the middle. Look at it in verse number 24. This, therefore, whosoever heareth and doeth. But what's in the middle? These sayings of mine. Can I ask you tonight, whose word are you listening to? We are living in a day when believers are listening more to the news than they are to the words of Jesus Christ. We're living in a day when people are li listening to conspiracy theories more than they are about Jesus Christ. And they're listening more to other men and other women, and I'm not saying it's wrong because there's safety in a multitude of counselors, but they're listening more to others than they are to the words of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. So whose word are you listening to and whose word are you obeying? Occasionally, somebody will ask me for a bit of advice, and they'll say, what should I do? Do you know what I know, almost always say? What should I do? I almost always say, whatever the Lord tells you to do. It's not my job to tell somebody what they should do. But I can point them to the words of Scripture. I can point them to the words that the Lord Jesus has given us. I can point them to his everlasting, unchanging, eternal word. Can I ask you this evening, do you hear his word? If you hear Christ's teachings and you do Christ's teachings, then you are the wise man. You say, but what does it mean to build your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ? Now, here's what it means. Do you believe that what he says is final? Do you believe that when Je whatever Jesus said, he meant it. Do you believe that the words that he said were as good as done? Have you taken him at his word, no matter what the rest of the world is saying? You see, there are many people who, who admire the words and teachings of Jesus Christ, but they don't, they've not come to the point where they believe them. I, I, I know some people, and I've, I've counseled with people who, are, who want to be saved, and they want to know the burden of their sins rolled away, but they just can't seem to believe that when Jesus said, Come unto me, and I will give you rest, they just can't seem to believe. The struggle taking him at his word. You see, if you hear his word, if you obey his word, then you are not just content with listening to the call to repent. J.C. Ryle put it something like that. You're not just content listening to the call to repent, but you actually believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not just content hearing the scriptures say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, but you cross that line and say, I believe by the grace of God. You're not just content to hear the preacher say, come out from among them and be ye separate and live a holy life. Be ye holy because I am holy. You say, yes, I hear the voice of Jesus say, 
live a holy life. And therefore you cross that line and say, by the grace of God, I shall live a life that will honor him. That's the difference between simply hearing it and then obeying it. You're not just content with listening to the call to repent and listening to the call to believe and listening to the call to live a holy life. You actually repent. You actually believe. You actually cease to do evil and learn to do right. You hate the sin in your life and cleave to that which is good. That's the difference. I love what James says. I remember preaching this at Tommy Wall's baptism. I don't have a very good memory, but sometimes some things stick with me. James chapter 2 and verses 22. This was the text. I can remember preaching this text and looking down to my right down here and there was Tommy's son Michael sat listening to the word. James chapter 2 and verses 22 to 27. The scriptures read this in James chapter 2. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by his works was faith made perfect? Pardon me, it's chapter 1. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. Listen to this. If you are someone who hears the word only and you don't do it, James says you're lying to yourself. You're like somebody, if you are a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like a man beholding his face in a glass or a mirror, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You know what James says, writing under the inspiration of God's spirit. He says, if you are a hearer and not a doer, you're like a man who goes through a mirror and you see all the problems in your face and you need to shave and you got a pimple there and you, and you have this there. And you're like a man who turns away from the mirror and immediately you forget what you saw and act like you never saw there was anything wrong. Bible says that God's word is very much like a mirror. That's why we don't like to pick it up sometimes, isn't it? That's why a lot of people don't like to listen to preaching and don't like to read the word because it hurts sometimes. Just the other day we were having a little bonfire with my family on Friday night and, and there we were out with the children and just a little tiny little fire in the back garden and we had some marshmallows and thought we'd have a little lovely time together with the family and and my little two-year-old Harper got a little marshmallow on a stick and put, that, put it in the fire and was in, quite enjoying herself. And she pulled the marshmallow out and that thing was uh, like, a like a flaming torch of fire. And she began to wave it like this. And I wasn't paying attention. Before I knew it, that marshmallow went straight into my eye, on fire. And I was then on fire, ran straight into the house to wash that off. And, and, uh, and you, if, if you look a little close, I don't want the camera to come too close, but if you look close, you'll see I've lost a couple of layers of skin. Now, if I were to look in the mirror there and, and uh, see that I've got a problem there and, and uh, I've got some raw skin there, if I were to walk away and forget what I saw, then that problem is not going to get any better. But if I am to look at the mirror and recognize the problem and then make an adjustment based upon what I see, then I would be a hearer and a doer. And so the word goes on in the book of James, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, I love that expression, an apparent contradiction, because law and liberty are two total opposites. 
Law tells you what you can and cannot do, and liberty says do what you want to do. Free, right? Perfect law of liberty, meaning this, this is a law of liberty. It sets you free. It delivers you from the problems you see in the mirror. It corrects the problems. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. You continue in what you see and what you read. You don't look at it and say, I don't like that and turn and walk away and don't obey it. But you recognize the problem and you continue in it. Look at what it says. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Have you ever met a man who you thought, that is a blessed man? You ever met somebody like that? that whatever he does, he seems to be blessed. Why can't, how come I'm never blessed? I do all this and I'm never, hold on a moment. Are you continuing therein? By the way, sometimes what we measure as blessing and blessedness is not what God measures as blessed. But if there's a lack, if you feel as if there's a lack of blessing in your life, it might be because you're not continuing therein. Maybe you become a forgetful hearer. If any man among you, watch this, seem to be religious. Boy, he looks really religious. And bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Hear and do and continue therein. Are you continuing tonight? I love, back in our little parable, I love this little parable that Jesus gives about the two houses because there's a promise found in it that is so comforting to the soul. Jesus says in verse number 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. Now, if he stopped there, we'd say, well, okay, that's nice. He calls us, thinks that we're a wise man, but what's the, you know, what's the benefit? Look at the next expression, next verse. And it's not just a matter of being called wise by Jesus, although that would be sufficient. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And you might say, hold on a moment, that didn't sound like a blessed man to me who's continuing the word of God. There's storms. Hold on, what do you mean? No, no, no. Look at the next part. And it fell not. Here's a promise. If you build upon the rock of Jesus Christ, your soul and whatever you build upon that Savior, upon our Savior, shall not fall. It will not fall. Oh, there may be times of, of struggle, of slipping and sliding and stumbling. You may get off the path a little bit, but you will not fall, ultimately fall away. The result of hearing the word and doing the word is that in the time of the trial of your faith, your faith will not fail you. In the floods of sickness, in the floods of sorrow, poverty, disappointments, bereavements, when they all come crashing down upon you, they will be crashing down upon you in vain. And they may come one blow after another blow, 
and the whole house may shake and rock, but your soul shall not be moved. The only way to ensure that you do not fall is by building upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear him and obey him. Or your faith may cost you. It may cost you trouble from time to time. It may cause you to lose some friendships. It may cause you to be unpopular. But when it really matters, your faith will not fail you. Maybe it took much labor, much tear, many tears to establish that sure foundation. Maybe it took you a long time to settle on the Lord Jesus. Maybe for many months, for some for many years, it was a real turmoil of heart and soul before they found themselves to be safely upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Maybe it took you many a day of earnest seeking and many hours of wrestling in prayer. But can I tell you, it's not in vain. The faith that can withstand a storm is true faith. But, on the contrary, the man who hears the truth and never gets beyond hearing. Are you listening? The one who can never get beyond hearing and agreeing is like a foolish man. And I'm telling you, there are a great many of this caliber of people in the Christian faith today. There are a great many amongst this crowd today who hear the word and they go to, when they could, they went to chapels and churches across the land. Now they listen still and they nod their head in agreement, and they have a Bible verse for everything and an answer for everything. You may satisfy yourself with listening and agreeing to the truth, but you never go any further. You flatter yourself because you have a few feelings and a few convictions and some spiritual desires, but you never actually break away from sin. You never actually break free from the world. You have never yet laid hold on Christ. You've never taken up the cross. You're a hearer and nothing more. I'm not saying we won't struggle with sin. I think it was Spurgeon that said, sin may visit us like an unwanted, uh, an unwanted thief, an unwanted intruder. But he should never sit upon the throne of our heart. Sin should never rule and reign in our life. He may, sin may visit from time to time and cause havoc and destruction and turmoil in our hearts and minds, but he's an unwanted intruder. But there are many people who can agree intellectually and even feel a few things about Christianity, but they've never broken from sin never broken free from the world, never taken up the cross to follow him. Is that you tonight? If so, because you're only a hearer and not a doer, it's just a matter of time before your house of faith comes crashing down. At the first flood of tribulation, It'll be destroyed. At the first difficult storm that comes your way, it'll be gone. 
Somebody once said it like this, if it costs you nothing, it's worth nothing. I'm not saying we earn our salvation. But if there's been no evidence to follow what you've heard and what you claim to have believed, there's something wrong. Can I ask you tonight, are you a hearer of the word or a doer? Because everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. You know why he's foolish? Because Christ gave very clear instructions and the foolish man deliberately did his own thing. Christ laid the foundation with his own blood in his own life and has offered himself for you to build upon him. And foolishly, you think you've got a better way. And so, the Bible says, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. There's coming a day on that great day of revealing, that great day of, of reckoning, when all will be brought to light, and on that day there will be a great many people falling, a great many houses falling, being dashed to pieces, because the truth will be revealed about their foundation. Can I ask you tonight, are you building upon Jesus Christ? If so, then the day in which we live today ought to be no different than it was a year ago, before this all kicked off. Now, I know there are certain restrictions, but we are still building on the same foundation. We're not looking to begin building somewhere else. Jesus is still the rock. He's still the foundation. He's unchanging, unmovable. Let's continue to build upon Christ and upon his word and upon his teachings. Because whosoever heareth and doeth these sayings of mine, that's the wise one. Are you hearing and doing today? I hope so. If perhaps tonight you find yourself in the shoes of the foolish builder, just look around your life. Look around your life. What are you building upon? Is there anything lasting? Is there anything of substance in your life tonight? Anything substantial? Or have you wasted year after year building on sand? It's time... If so, it's time you began to build upon the rock. And that begins with a humble, wholehearted casting of yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ. Taking him at his word. The Lord Jesus told us very clearly in Matthew chapter 18, something that a lot of people don't like to hear. In fact, it was the disciples that came to him and said, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus set a child down and he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's a saying of his. Be converted and become like children. Something has to change. You've got to become like children. There's a humbling that needs to take place. There's a yielding, a depending upon the rock that needs to take place, a recognizing that you've been building on sand, you must go to the rock. Leave behind all that you've been building with all your life. Leave it behind and run to the rock of Jesus Christ.
and begin again. That's what needs to happen. Some people are trying to bring their old building site onto the rock. Some people are trying to bring what they, that they were doing before they were converted. They're trying to drag all of that that has been dug into the sand. They're trying to drag all of that onto the rock. That's not what Christ has for you. No, no, no. Christ isn't interested in you bringing all that you once were building on the wrong foundation and bringing it over to him. He wants you to leave it behind. Come to him. He'll instruct you. He'll instruct you what materials to use and how to build and how big to build and what to build. You leave your plans in the sand and come to him. May the Lord Jesus help us tonight. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've been building on sand, come to him tonight humbly. Humbly. Recognizing you need a Savior. Recognizing you've been wasting time. And that your life, as you have been living it, will only lead to destruction. That's the first step. Come. If you need some help this evening, then after our closing prayer, you ring. We'd be delighted to talk to you and pray with you and speak to you more about this. Let's bow our heads together in prayer before we sing our final hymn.